If you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn to the, the book of Nehemiah just for a moment or two this morning. And uh, we're going to look at a few things together. And uh, I'm just going to look at Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2 um, just, just briefly. I, I shall touch upon a, a few things. I, I want to just pick up on something. I, I'm, I'm only going to do that for a few moments this morning, and then there'll be an opportunity for us to pray about some of the things that I'm just going to take some time to share. Last um, Sunday morning at our Thanksgiving and Harvest service, we um, shared something and we gave out something to everybody, and there was an opportunity for everybody to take some um, uh, surveys away with them. And uh, I'm just conscious and aware that there'll be people here this morning that weren't around last Sunday, and there are some people away this Sunday that were around uh, last Sunday. So I want to highlight something, and I'm going to just talk about it just for a few moments not too extended, and to explain a few things. It's regarding a a, a potential new building that we as a church are seeking to... um, We've got some plans. We've had some plans done over a length of time and looking at the introduction of fresh facilities to this site. And it's a, a new community and youth and children's building that would be situated to the um, at the, at the back, I say at the back, behind the auditorium here, where the uh, brick building is and the tin building is, the, the back of the auditorium here, which uh, those buildings are now in a, a, a pretty dilapidated state of repair. And um, we propose and have been proposing to our local authority, our planning and conservation office, something fresh, something new for our church and that is in keeping with the site because this is a grade two listed building and the site, therefore, the whole site of this with our, our auditorium, the, um, the manse, which is now our offices, and the buildings to the back of this auditorium, even though they're dilapidated, part of that dilapidated building is classed as being listed. And um, we were looking at the idea of our church going moving forward uh, since uh, about two years ago that the elders, we really, really felt that it was time to really give this site, and this is the site that God is saying for us to stay and, and develop and, and put our heart and soul into this place. Uh, historically, the church, anyone that's been in the church for any length of time will know that the church has looked to move off-site, rented buildings, come back on site, gone back off-site when I came, and rented buildings, come back to site, and uh, you would have been on that sort of journey over a length of maybe 15, 17 years on and off, and um, we really feel that God says, you know, the, the, the spirit resonating in all of our hearts as, as leaders was that it's to do something here. And with that in mind, then we embarked on plans and planning and speaking to planning officers. And we've been on an up and down journey because planning officers have come and gone in Erewash Borough Council. They last about a year or so and then they go. And so you, you're back at square one almost with local authority. And what then has been... Even compounded is that this is a listed building. It's a grade two listed building. And you might think, well, big deal. You know, buildings at the back are old. Can't you just pull them down? No, you can't. I only wish it was as simple as that. It's just not that simple. And uh, listings change the dynamics of everything. Absolutely everything. They're not impossible to, not impossible to delist something, but it's challenging to say the least. So you can't just do what you like. You have to get permission to do most things, okay. Uh, so that has made things challenging. Let's, put it, let's put, it, put it mildly. But we feel that in the development, there's a great possibility and opportunity, and I'm really excited. So last Sunday, I, I, we shared, and uh, we, 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 if you haven't seen it, you should pick up 
uh, it says uh, a new community venue. There's a survey, and uh, there's four simple questions um, asking people, do they think there's necess- something is fresh and necessary in Long Eaton? A number of questions about the type of facilities that they felt that you feel or they feel that a community building could have. And um, how would they get to that building? Would they cycle, walk, or get local transport? When would they use that building? Daytime, weekends? And would you like to be kept informed of the possibilities of this building? As simple as that. No strings attached. And... Um, I think we did a run of 400 initially of these, and so far we've had 100-plus responses, which is 25%. And bearing in mind, that I, which I think is it's it's pretty amazing, because bearing in mind local authority look at about 5% response rate. That's pretty amazing so far. We're looking to do about 1,000 in the community, and I think that we'll have a great response. So, so can I just say to you, if you um, received one of these last week and you took them to your friends, thank you, well done. I think we had something like 40 responses online to our survey, because it's an online survey, and about something like 60 um, written paper responses um, so far. It's probably higher than that, but that was um, when I checked, um, you know, uh, four, four days ago, something like that. And so in our toddler groups, in Sawley Outreach, in Sawley Toddlers, our toddlers here, in the coffee house, I'm amazed. Ladies at the coffee house have been placing surveys in local shops and community and speaking to people. It's been really exciting. Um, people that work locally in the community. It's really been a great an awareness raiser for the community. And I'm, I'm really, really, it's been really amazing. And um, p- people that work at co-op funeral services that live in the community, the ladies have been, and they, you know... It's really great, and I've got to say thank you. So if you've taken one of these, and you've taken three of these for your friends and neighbours, thank you. And uh, if you've taken one, please fill it out. Go online and and do it, and and if you haven't yet filled one out, then do it. And um, place it in a box. Leo's uh, standing at the back of the auditorium, and it'll be in the foyer. Can I say, if you fill it out online, do it only once, please. Uh, it's not one of these things, the more hits you make, the more that we'll have. It, it, we can only count the first, the one survey. You might do it accidentally and think, did I do that? So you go and do it again, and I, we can understand that. But if you do fill these things up, just only, we can only take them once, obviously, ethically. But, um, so that's good. And uh, if you haven't yet seen one of these and taken one, take one, fill it out. You can fill them out this morning, even. Um, you're not selling your life away. It's been remarkable. Some people think, well, what's in it? You know, what, what, what? You know, do I have to start? Do, do, if I sign up, do I, am I going to start paying for something? It's, it, it's, just a, it's just a survey. What's your opinion? And it's just genuine because at this stage we're, we're talking to planning and we're talking to conservation. And uh, our local MP said to me, if you can survey, if you can do a thousand surveys, if you can get 5%, that'd be amazing, Adrian. I said, well, I'm hoping for a lot more than that. I told her one church that got 14%. She said, that's incredible. And if we're running at 25%, amazing. It really is amazing. So if you don't yet have one of these, take one. We've said take a couple for your neighbors and friends and give them away and explain. It's what our church is, is proposing, being involved in. We've um, pasted that uh, link into uh, Long Eaton Life, which has, is a Twitter account that has 4,000 followers. We've pasted that link into Love Long Eaton, which has something like 140 followers, 130 followers. And uh, so people are in the community are uh, really interested. In, in our toddlers that, that meet here during the week, people have 
becoming interested. And it's an opportunity to just talk about the possibilities. And our hope and prayer is now that we will see something fresh arise, okay? Uh, But I want to just talk about that just a little bit, and then we're going to pray. Because uh, people have asked, well, what's it about? And is that the building then? Is it going to look like that? And as soon as you start putting artists' impressions, what you see there, and if you've seen it online, that is a 3D uh, drawing of an actual plan. But it might not look like that, and we might not even get that. But we're looking now to talk to planning and conservation. And uh, it's been a challenge. So we're looking at this stage of talking because, because it's, our site's listed and we're in a conservation zone. They say things like, no, that's a historic building. And uh, it, we've got to talk about that with them uh, and we're at that stage. But I, I just want to just talk about a few things in context to this. <clears throat> and I can't say, you know, your help in this makes a difference. Every view makes a difference. Don't ever think, oh, I'll leave it to somebody else. You know the story of the starfish. You've probably heard it many a time. But a man is going for a walk. He had a headache, so he went for a long walk. And he lived near the sea, and he was walking along by the sea, and it was getting sort of twilight-ish. And uh, he sees a young, a young boy. Um, he, he noticed there are hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of these starfish washed up on the shore. And this little boy, is, uh, this young man is like picking them up and throwing them back in, picking them up and throwing them back in, and picking them up and throwing them back in. And the man walks along and says, what are you doing that for? It didn't make any difference. And he picks up one, this little boy, and he throws it back in and says, it made difference to that one. Your opinion counts. Politicians, you know, you know that's why you know, you've only got a few hundred people complain to the BBC, and they take that as thousands of opinions. They extrapolate that. So, you know, your opinion does help, and the opinion of the public helps. Um... But I want to just talk about God's empowered opinion. And uh, it's in Nehemiah. And we're going to pray about that just for a moment or two. Because I want to link it in a little bit. Because uh, people say to me, you know, what are you doing? And what's going on? And in the background, a lot has gone on. And... uh, but it might not seem so much. And the challenges that we face as a church. And something has to give because... um, And I'll talk about that a little bit. Okay, so in in Nehemiah, you might want to just keep Nehemiah chapter uh, 1 to uh, 2. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 available. Just keep nearby, and we're going to look at some verses every now and again. And um, my, my title is Rise Up and Build. Rise Up and Build. And it's taken from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 to 18. And I'm going to read from the New King James. It'll be slightly different from what you might have in front of you. But I've chosen this uh, translation for a reason. But uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 to 18. Nehemiah says this. Verse 16, to get a bit of context. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests and the nobles and the officials, all the others who did the work. Verse 17. Then I said to them, that's all the people, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies in waste, and the gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. Verse 18. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, this is the people now, let us rise up 
and build. Then they set their hands to, to do this good work. They said, let us rise up and build. And then they set their hands to do this good work. The story of Nehemiah is of a, a really amazing man, a man of great prayer and a man of great action. And uh, the background to uh, this, uh, this the time, the setting of the time, is really that what, what's happened here is that the people of Israel are in captivity, Persian captivity. Persia is Iran today. Uh, Iran and Iraq, uh, the area of Iran and Iraq has always been in history and has been a center of attention, even as it is today. Very interesting. And that part of the world, at this time, the Persian Empire stretched from Iran through to Iraq. It was a large empire. And into um, Israel, Syria, Israel, and down into Egypt. That was the sort of Persian Empire. And at that time, the Israelite people were in captivity in Persia. And this man called Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer to the king of Persia at the time, a man called Artaxerxes. If ever you want a handful or a tongue twister to say on a morning when you've got a cold, say Artaxerxes. You don't have to say it right now, but it is a, it's a mouthful. But this man, Artaxerxes, was the king of the day. I mean, he had the power of life and death. He was a, if you think there's things going on in the world now, this man had power, immense power. And Nehemiah was his cupbearer, and Nehemiah is told in Nehemiah chapter 1, that Jerusalem lies in ruins, the walls are bashed and destroyed, the gates are, are ruined, and we are a mess. And so what does Nehemiah do? He says, we're a mess. Everything's a mess. Woe is the world. And this is what Nehemiah does. In Nehemiah chapter 1, we read, that this is the backdrop to the story that we've got here, we read that he immediately sets himself and starts to pray. He sets his heart to prayer. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, we read this. It says, they said to me, the survivors who are left in captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. It's a mess, in other words. So it was, when I heard these words, verse 4, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah, the first thing he did was to turn to God and pray and say, God of heaven, change this. Do something about this. Honor your people in this. The very first thing that Nehemiah did was to pray. You know, it's not lost on me that prayer is the most powerful thing. If there's anything that you and I can do, it's to pray. Not to hide my head in the sand and say, oh, leave it to God. We'll say a prayer. God bless you, everybody. No, no, no. But to see the mess the world is in, to see the mess our street is in, to see what we need to face. And as a church, we face a, a challenge. It's a huge challenge. Let me tell you, I, for the number of years, what consumes part of my life and time is, is the, this building. This is a, a, a 110-year-old building, grade 2 listed. There's like the fourth road bridge. When you fix something, another bit needs fixing. I mean, that's not doom and gloom. It just needs to be looked after. And then there's the facilities that need to be expanded. We want the best for our children. We want the best for our youth. We want the best for our toddlers. We want the best for our community. We want the best in God for our church. And Nehemiah saw this and said, we want the best for the nation of Israel. We want it to see it restored to all of its glory. Why? It reflects on good God, a glorious God. Not because we're power hungry and we've got something we want to build for ourselves, but for God's glory. You know, it's all the songs that we sing, 
all about God's glory. It's great. We're always facing to Jesus, author and perfecter of our faith. It's all about him and for him and in him. Now, Nehemiah was this type of guy. He said, because of this, the challenge that I see, I need God. I need God. It's not my plans that are going to prosper, but the plans of God are going to prosper. So he turns to pray. And so it says there, I wept and I prayed and fasted. Let me tell you something. A man called Dick Eastman said this, only those who see the invisible can attempt the impossible. Only those that see the invisible, that's not seeing the invisible man, but in pie in the sky and thinking that I make something up, that see God's possibilities. Only those that see the invisible can attempt the impossible. What Dick Eastman was saying, Dick Eastman's a man of prayer, led a lot of prayer and, and, and revival and prayer and revival meetings. The, the idea there is only those that see the heart and the hand of God, only those that are in contact and commune, that speak and hear God. In other words, those that pray, those that see the invisible will be able to attempt the impossible. Let me tell you, we have a challenge Many a time I've stood with a planning officer that would just go, no. Conservation, got to keep that. And I say, but it's rotten. Well, you just have to repair it. But it doesn't make sense. It's tens of thousands of pounds. It doesn't make sense. And it's not right. And there's things that are right in God. And there's things that God wants to do here. And uh, it's only by prayer that we can attempt the impossible, because we see the invisible. Um, I honestly, I really do believe. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying this. You, you'll notice that I, I don't say a lot because uh, people say, well, what's going on? I don't say things all the time. I, but when, I really believe that we're going to do something. God is going to do something. I really believe. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't stand. I wouldn't stand. And, and I don't believe in hype. I believe in hope. I believe in seeing God. And uh, this is why we pray, folks. This is why I call. Uh, John Wesley said that, uh, um, John and Charles Wesley said, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. God does nothing but by prayer. Nothing but by prayer and everything with it. The Wesleys saw hundreds of thousands of people become Christians and come into the kingdom of God when they were turfed out to speak outside. Whoever would have thought that? You speak in the church, you know, several, 300 years ago, and they were thrown outside, beaten up. And so Wesley used to get on his horse and travel from place to place and speak. And hundreds of thousands of people became Christians. That's how the Methodist church started. Amazing move of God. And I think Wesley has something to say. A sort of great move and great things happen. The impossible is possible. See, all things are possible for God, aren't they? All things are possible for him. So, it's by prayer. And it's interesting that Nehemiah, nothing's new under the sun. You know, we think that it's our plans. Uh, I, I, you know, I've been taught, you know, management techniques, visionary leadership, motivational messages. Yeah, all of this is good. All, all of this is good. But the only thing that's going to stand is the things that God ordains, the things that God has put his hand to. And we know the hand of God when we seek his face. When I seek his face, I know the hand of God. I believe and I've known that over the years and seen God do that time and time again. It's in prayer. When we come, I find this and I found this. When I come to the end of myself, I will discover the beginning of God. 
I know that as I pray and I open up my heart to him, Father God, I, I, I realize, you know, I can't do this on my own or I haven't got the answers or this is all out of control or I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this in my circumstance or I don't know how, how, how I'm going to get the answer to this and this plan isn't coming to pass and I just don't know how my marriage is going gonna to work or I don't know how my job... I, we just, there are things beyond our control in life. And that's why we're getting so, today, more anxious and worried than we've ever lived on the face of the earth. There are things that are beyond my control. But I don't hide my head in the sand. I don't give up. And at times I do feel like giving up. And at times I do feel like just turning away and just not looking at it. We all get to that place. But with hope, we turn our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's the old hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth come strangely dim. It's, it's true. It's, a tr- it's true. It works. And this is what Nehemiah did. And uh, he did this and began to pray. And he finds the beginning of God. It's in the place of prayer we receive the energy for our effort. It's in the place of prayer that we receive the energy. I receive my energy for the effort. God calls us to live, to walk, to follow him, follow Jesus. Jesus says, follow me, pick up your cross daily. And it's in that living for him. He says, now serve me in ministry and in life and giving of your life and your time and your talents and our treasure. And it's in, and it's in, and it's in that place that we receive the energy for our service, the energy for our effort, the place of prayer. So we are called upon to pray. We are called upon. And I would say, pray like you've never prayed before, folks. Seriously. We don't have to convince God. We don't, have to, we don't pray all the harder because we've got to... Um, he just wants us to seek his face, to get his time, to have his heart, to see where he wants to move. So, you know, Nehemiah prays, and it's incumbent upon us... Um, to pray together. There'll be an opportunity for us to turn in a moment or two, in just for a few moments. Um, what we also see from this passage is that God moves the heart of a pagan king. It's amazing. But in chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, um, Nehemiah appears before his master, Artaxerxes, and he is his cupbearer, so he brings his cup to him. Now, a cupbearer had a very important job. They tasted the cup because the kings were always getting poisoned. What a great job. Who's first in line for that ministry? Cupbearer. I'll be back at the queue for that ministry, I would assure you. I would say, um, you know, I would volunteer, I'd step back if you're going to stand forward and leave someone else standing in front of me, wouldn't you? Um, but the cupbearers were treated to the best food, the best, because they didn't live very long probably, that's probably why. But, and he was treated, with, and they were the closest person to get to the king, highly trusted, they got right up to the king. So they were in a position of great power, great authority, great privilege, but they only had a certain lifespan, just in case they got poisoned. And if you appeared before the king, you had to be happy. You had to, the king didn't like sullen, dull face, sullen face, because the king was always to be encouraged, and the king was always to be looked after. So everyone around the king had to be happy. Just, have to, just think, put on your, your McDonald's face, have a nice day. It's that type of thing. The cupbearer had to be just like that. And um, when he appears, he's unhappy. Nehemiah's unhappy. That meant death. If you're unhappy in front of the king, he would say, off with your head. And, he, and the king says, well, what's up with you? And he says to him, 
How can I be happy when my people are in distress and destroyed? And the king says, well, what can I do for you? And so Nehemiah prays a quick prayer, but he'd been praying for several weeks in France. And then says, if, oh, if the king, if you could give me a letter of safe passage, if you could help me with some money, if you could give me some timber. And the king grants him everything that he wished for. Amazing. A pagan king is part of God's plan. Part of God's plan. And there are people, people, you and I, and, and people, people who are not Christians, people who are not even considering themselves religious, people in Long Eaton, people in places of power, that are part of God's plan. And um, so we meet with MPs, we're meeting with planning officers, with, and I'm not saying they're all pagan, by the way. And uh, I met with a very nice MP, a lady called Jessica Lee, uh, was very helpful, uh, very um, supportive of our church and other churches. Um, goes to goes to a, a church in Dracup from time to time herself, and she's observed some of the work that we do. And she majored in family law, so she's got a thing about family and children. And so when she's seen some of the work that toddlers is doing, uh, very pro, very pro, and is looking to be helpful to us. So we're going to pray about that a bit later uh, in, in lobbying our, our council and uh, planning. So uh, we believe uh, that God does these things. We see from this passage also that, um, so, you know, Nehemiah prayed. God uses circumstance and situation, and, and surprisingly, he can raise people and bring people into the right place. But there's opposition, and we see that when Nehemiah starts to get people together and some, uh, there's a cause and something rallying, don't be surprised if things are tough sometimes. People say, well, what, how come it's taking so long? You know, maybe you haven't got the right idea. But so there are times when you get opposed, uh, where, where not everyone's happy about what you do. And we see in this story a man called Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Uh, they're officials and leaders of the day. They rally together and they oppose Nehemiah and the people. And sometimes it, it, it stirs up people that don't like what you're doing. And so we need to be prepared for counselors and, and people in the community, maybe not necessarily to think it's just a great idea. Um, some people think our church is quite loud in the area from time to time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and um, so, you know, there, there will, not everyone uh, is, is prepared. And, and we, we don't pray against people. We just ask God to just move. And, um, but we need to be prepared for challenges. That's what I'm saying. Isn't, and boy, have we had some challenges. I've met some planning officers that... Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. You, you, you just don't realize. You, you won't realize. Uh, and it, it's, it's painful. Honestly, it's painful. I, I'm not kidding you. Not kidding you. Uh, I, don't, I don't want my life to be consumed with worrying about buildings. Uh, I'm called to people. I'm called to people. I'm co- I, and we're not going to be consumed as a church with the building and plans. That's not my, we're not consumed by that. So hence, I don't talk about it all the time, but this is a time. So I'm talking about it now, and it's because it's, the, it's, it's quite important now. It's an understatement. It's very important now for us to really rally and pray. Uh, finally, so there will be challenges, but God is a God of possibility. And this is what I'm getting at. If we see the invisible, the God of the possible, then we'll be able to attempt the impossible what seems impossible on an earthly. I believe God, it's all things. We've been singing about all things work together for good. 
but those that love and honor the Lord, don't they? And God works out things well. Finally, then, and it's in verses 17 to 18, it says God moves the heart of his people. It's all about people, people and prayer, people and prayer. And Nehemiah prayed, and God used people. He used people in the area, part of his plan. There were people that were in opposition. And finally, God moves the heart of his own people, the people of God. And in chapter 2, verses 17 to 18, we we read the people says, Let us rise up. Then they set their hands to this good work. Rise up and build. When Nehemiah said there's something, something stirred in the hearts of the people. I don't know if you've heard it said, but the idea of team, together, Everyone achieves much. Nehemiah was able to bring everyone together. I've talked about this so much. Uh, when I, when I, six years ago, I started to talk about you being unified. Anyone that's in the life of our church would say, oh, here he goes again. Talking about, but the idea is being team. The idea, the, and I understand that together, everyone achieves much. It's an acrostic team. We achieve much when we're together. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's, it's, it's like precious ointment that runs down Aaron's beard and, and all over the whole robe and over the whole body. And it says there the place that God commands or commends his blessing. It's, it's not just a nice um, leadership buzzword. If you go to a leadership seminar, they'll talk about team and they'll use that acrostic. Together, everyone achieves much. It's biblical. God got there first. God got there first. How good and pleasant it is when we dwell together. Not just that we all have a nice day. Oh, happy day. How are you? We all feel good. We achieve much in the kingdom of God when there's a heart and unity. And interestingly, it says there in Nehemiah, let us rise up and build, said the people. They understood this power of every individual doing their thing. What, what is God? What could God say to you and to me as we pray, as we rise up and we come together and we call upon God and we reach out to our friends and we encourage a neighbor and we were to give one of these to a friend or neighbor and to get their opinion and all those opinions start coming in together. I'm not a fool. They won't sway the arm of just uh, of, of a counselor, but I tell you what, they do all go together to form an opinion. Any group of people that, that start to look to their community and say, but we look to God and we call upon people. So together, we achieve much. Now we're going to pray. As we close in the next five minutes or so, I just want to just invite you to get together with some people nearby you and let's pray over these things. I want you to take, if you haven't already done so, one of these surveys. Uh, They'll be in the auditorium for you. If you took them last week and you haven't yet filled it out, please do. Your opinion counts. You live in Long Eaton or you live nearby. You come to our church, that's still fine. Give a couple away to your friends and neighbours, but please, please, please respond and uh, the, the, uh, the posting box will be in the foyer. Or take one with you as you go. Right, we're going to pray. Let's stop there. Lord, let's pray together. I would like us to get into groups all around the auditorium and just begin to pray. Pray for planning. Pray for conservation. Pray for the life of our church. Pray for Jessica Lee, our MP. Pray for the chair of our borough council. I'm hoping to get a meeting with him. And Jessica Lee has said we're going to try and get a meeting with him, myself, and her so that we get some movement going forward. We get some dialogue. At the moment, planning is not talking to us. They refer. I'm not saying they refuse, that's not fair. But let's put it this way. We've had six to eight weeks of planning not responding to any dialogue 
with the person that is doing our plans. And when I said that to somebody, they, they were shocked. So we need some dialogue. They're not even getting any feedback. It, it's not right. It, it's not right. It's not right. There may be reasons for that. Maybe people are sick. It could be. So we're not pointing any fingers. We just need some movement. We need God to move in hearts and hands and get his will and his heart and his hand and move. So you can pray. So let's do that right now. Turn to someone nearby you. And then in a few moments, get into a three or a four or, or however you can and, and just begin to pray. And just do that right now. So all around the auditorium, there's a buzz as we seek to pray and uh, just praying God over these things. Let's do that right now. And then when I, in a few moments, I'll bring us back together and we'll close and we'll conclude. Bless you. Thank you.